Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, taking you behind the scenes with the hottest shows on Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to two Tony winners, the actress Beth Level and the writer and performer Bob Martin. Level is currently starring as the Broadway diva Dee Dee Allen in The Prom, the new musical that Martin wrote with songwriters Matthew Sklar and Chad Pegelin. The show, about a group of comically egotistical Broadway actors who swoop into small-town Indiana to help out a teenage girl who just wants to take her girlfriend to the high school prom, opened in the fall, and it won over even the grumpiest of Broadway critics. Now it's getting talked about as a contender for Tony nominations this spring. The prom is only the latest team-up for Level and Martin, after winning Tonys for their contributions on The Drowsy Chaperone, and then working together on musicals Minsky's and Elf, Level and Martin are among Broadway's most frequent collaborators. Hi, Beth and Bob. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Gordon. It's a pleasure. So the prom comes from a whole group of people that the two of you have worked with multiple times. There's director Casey Nicola, who directed Drowsy Chaperone and Elf and Minsky's, and Matthew Sklar and Chad Begelin, who wrote the music for Elf, and then also wrote um, the music for Halftime, a show that you, Bob, were working on. Yes. Um, so you're almost an ensemble at this point, all of you. What... What does that? How does that inform the way you work on shows? Having that kind of history and experience with each other. Well, well the, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start, and then you can uh, say correct more you. Elo- yeah, you can make it sound <laughs> more better. Um, what it means to me as an actor is a we have a relationship, so I feel completely safe in a room. So you walk in already feeling like you're going to succeed because you care so much about the people behind the table that are taking care of you and vice versa. So that just, I feel like I'm already one up having a relationship with Kathy, Casey and, and Matt and not so much Bob Martin, but right, Casey yeah, and no. Matt and Chad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So that's just a, that's just such a, uh, a help uh, when creating, giving birth to something new, to feel safe, to feel like you can make mistakes and they're writing for your strengths Right. And they will tell you when you're, you you could do it better or they could write it better. or It's just, like I right. said, it's a safe place to be an artist. Yeah. Yes, and when you have a, a group that you're familiar with and you have a, a, a shorthand with, then you, re- you drastically reduce the amount of you know, politics, personal politics so that's true. involved in the creative process, mm. which you really want to put that, you know, have that at a minimum. Right. So so we can we can be critical. We can, you know, without hurting because we know we respect each other. And and uh, and it's just a it's it's a really efficient and fun room to work in with 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 all of these people. 
When did, Bob, as you were working on this, when did the idea of Beth in the role of Dee Dee first occur to you? I think it was immediate. Yeah. I think, I, I, I don't believe there was ever a consideration <laughs> that we would work with anyone else in that role. Oh, uh, and it's not because you're a diva, but right. it's because you you have the ability to play one. Um uh, you didn't say she's not a diva. Though, I did not actually. say you she said, is not. A diva, yeah, just exactly. to go on the record. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say she's yeah. not, anyway, not so. a diva. Yeah. Uh, no, um, but yes, it was always uh, it was it was always Beth. Um, and, and, and so, what's that like to sort of write for? How did that then influence how you wrote that character in terms of how you wrote for what knowing what she could do? Well, again, as Beth said, we know her strengths, and right. uh, I, I mean. Uh, it's. I think you're always writing for performers in the theater. It's what makes the theater far more interesting than television and film for me because um, you're in the room for weeks at a time with the actors. Right. And I, I mean, I even believe that the uh, audition process itself is part of the writing process. Yep. As you see people come in and interpret your material and then you, you begin to bend it towards the, you know whatever actor you feel is right or, or someone takes a completely surprising approach to it uh, that requires you to change the character quite dramatically, but you're right. gaining something that you hadn't thought of. I mean, it's entirely collaborative that way. Um, so, so to bring somebody in who's you know you know I know Beth's toolbox, <laughs> so to speak. I know I know I know what she can do. I know exactly where to write for her. Um, it's 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 great. And when did you two discover each other? When did you first meet? Was that working on Drowsy Chaperone? It was. Or, and d how did that? come about did you get called in to yeah my uh, agent yeah. called me in yeah. just had an audition yeah for and i knew casey i didn't know any of bob and his troop and i just came in with my own song and got a call back and then didn't get the part i didn't know That's that right. actually she really not. she did no. not i did not and no. i it, casey was kind enough to call me and say and literally i, I almost immediately went i don't i totally understand i don't feel like i'm the i'm the one to give voice to this person this Beatrice Stockwell why did you feel that way I just it wasn't on the page mm. yet yes. mm. remember when Bob was saying yeah, sometimes right. when someone come in and anyway I feel like we once I was finally cast after they searched the world for someone <laughs> <laughs> and gave up and said oh for god's sakes well Meryl was busy Meryl was busy they just ran out of time yeah. so I was like oh god quick and they no. drew my name from the hat, right. and I went to California, right. and then yeah. they <laughs> we started figuring out who this woman was. We really didn't know what the character was. We, okay. we, 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 that's why you weren't cast immediately because we didn't we didn't know what we were casting for. And to and and we again, it's part as I say, part of the audition process. We saw a number of different takes on the existing material, and we we started to see what Beth was doing. It's like, oh yeah, and and. Uh, and then we started to really work with you to create the character. Right. It was really a collaborative yeah. discovery yeah. of this person, this woman, this and, fabulous woman. And what do you each recall responding to in the other person and the way they work that uh, really clicked with you? Well, I think Bob is one of the smartest people on the planet. Um, you're welcome. And yes, Stephen Hawking is dead now, right? So, really? Oh, yeah, so, so I've so moved up. Yeah. I've jumped you. up. <laughs> One place on that list. In comedy. Yeah. And um, I just love his writing, and he's a kind person, and I feel like what he writes, I can get a laugh. Okay. And if we can't get a laugh, right. then something's yes. wrong with me, but mostly it's wrong with Bob. No, that's writing. not true. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> because what we always say is that Beth can't get the laugh, it just doesn't work. Because Beth can get a laugh uh, okay. with anything. 
And then so if we, you know, a, a barometer that we use for the strength or weakness of material is how hard you're working. If you're working too hard, we, we, we take it away and rewrite it. Oh, great. Now, how many rooms can you be in when they when they give you that yeah. opportunity? Like, Darling, you're working too hard. Let me take that let away me, from let you. Let that me never, write yeah. you something that's easier yeah. to get a laugh. I'm like, right. thank you. <laughs> thank you. And so then, Bob, how do you describe what Beth's sort of specialty are? Well, again, I guess it, 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 it comes back, back to collaboration. Uh, you know, we... Um, it's. It, I remember a moment in Elf. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> I learned so much we just, when we talked with Bob. We, like, we, no, but we had to create. Do you remember um, a scene you were with Michael? I guess um, at the apartment, and we had to create a joke for you to cross to the door. Oh. We must have hit, hit you with like fifty jokes <laughs> because it was word? literally oh, just. Right. We just needed to cover like right, ten just, feet yes, across the math. stage, but yeah. it couldn't be yeah. silent. So, so Beth is the kind of person like that that we, we can do that. We can, I, 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 you know, you, you'll you'll go out there with whatever crap we give you, and and help us find the moment. And what line worked? Do you recall? Oh well, I, I don't even want to say because the joke, <laughs> the joke has subsequently been removed from the oh, well, touring right. version of the show. <laughs> okay. Only because it was rooted in that time and it was not not a particularly strong joke. All but right. we worked hard to get there. Oh, just tell me what it was because um, I don't remember. Oh, it was uh, those, uh, if it's those damn Mormons again, I'm going <laughs> to punch them in the face or something like that. <laughs> it, was a, it was a lame joke. Um, <laughs> but you know, you got to laugh. cross the stage. I, subsequently, well, of course, because you I, get to laugh with everything. But other actresses. <laughs> I wish you could see that. Yeah, that was that was a, That's funny. That was a when comedy doubt, That was a guy. Just yeah. cross your eyes, eye roll, and yeah. always works. Yeah. Um, no, um, there's... Um, no, Beth is just an extremely skilled comedian. She's, I, the, I would argue the, the best on Broadway, I would say. Um, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the you know um, to to reduce you to a level of a tool. It's it's if you're trying to create your something life easier. I see that. Yes, yeah. yes, you yeah. have to have the best tools. Right. She is a wonderful tool. Thank you, thank you. And the prom is an entirely original musical, which is to say that it's not based on any pre-existing book or movie or uh, play, and it came about in sort of an unusual way. Um, yes. Bob, start off with telling us a little bit about how that idea got to you. Um, Jack Fertel uh, contacted Casey Nicklaw and saying he had an idea for a show and 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 uh, gave him... And this was, we should say, eight years ago? I, I, I believe yeah. so. I'm trying to remember yeah. if yeah. it was... I, around eight, right? right. I think so. Or more, so. yeah. Um, but he, he uh, Casey called us in to have a meeting with Jack, and he and we sat down, and Jack really pitched us the premise. He, he, Jack Fertel, we should say, is a producer and a creator and a man of the theater, and he yes, has lots of stuff. Literally wrote the book on musical theater. Actually true. Yes. Yes. Um, and so he pitched us this idea of, uh, about this girl who's you know um, wants to take her same sex partner to the prom, but the uh, the PTA reacts by canceling the prom. And that's based and on a. This was inspired by a news story. A, yeah? a number of a incidents number of that that happened. Uh, yeah. Um, and but his twist on it was that a bunch of uh, egotistical Broadway performers uh, want to come down and try to help her. Um, and it was such a, a clever take on on what was, what we felt was very important material. It was a, a very clever comic take on that that we, we just jumped on it and we and we 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 never altered that premise really. Um, Is there any hesitation at all for a writer to take on somebody else's idea, or did you feel any hesitancy at all? Um, uh, no, not yeah. at all. Actually, 
I guess, should I have? No, I just wondered. Because, <laughs> you know, some people are very, you know, uh, they want to just write on what they, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the world of um, being a librarist has changed <laughs> over the last few years. No, honestly, when in the days when I, when I first came onto the scene with Drowsy, I was nobody here. And, and, uh, and the idea of working in musical theater was relatively new to me. And it was an entirely original piece. And we didn't right. think it, there was anything unusual about that. Mm. Subsequently, um, the, because of the, you know, the, financial realities of Broadway, there's a lot of adaptations. Right. Most of the ideas that come to you are uh, people from studios who are going through their catalog and finding films and coming to you and suggesting adaptation. So so actually, Jack suggesting an, a comic, an original comic premise was more what I was used to right. uh, and was refreshing. Right. Uh, so I didn't complain. <laughs> and then, Beth, what was your first exposure to it? Um, Casey called and said, what are you doing? Can we have a table read of this new musical with Bob and Matt and Chad? I went, mm, I'm busy. Yeah. No. So I literally <laughs> ran over and we sat around and did a table read. And I think that oh, was Oh, did he call seven, and say, what are you doing right now? Is that what just much, happened? Okay. Pretty much. But it was the next yeah. day. Yeah, like, wow. You know, okay. That's, I'd be happy. Yeah. To, I would leave right now, as a matter of <laughs> fact. Bye, Gordon. Bye, yeah. Bob. Thank you so much. And we sat around, me, Angie, uh, Chris Sieber, yeah. and Brooks Eschmanskis. We sat around with... These are and all people still on the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we have been connected with it for seven years and watching it develop and morph and grow and change. And but the heart of it, the heart of it, is still remained the same. Yes, the to- the tone and the and the politics of the show have changed. Right, uh, but the heart is the same. Over the seven years, was there ever a moment where you thought, "Oh no, this isn't going to be." Topical anymore? This isn't going to be relevant. Oh, that's very interesting. Go ahead. Yes, you yes. Kind of speak to well, that we we, we we simply we did during the Obama administration to, to name names. <laughs> 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 Things are going quite well, sure. You know, and we we um we started to think, yeah, this is not going to be an issue by the time we get to Broadway, which is amazing to think about right now that we it's actually like, it that it was that the world was in that state, or at least America right. was in that state at that point. Right. Um, and we started to uh, we actually embraced the positive wave of uh, sort of <laughs> uh, inclusiveness that seemed mm. to be um, embracing. <laughs> like we 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 had uh, speeches in the show about how the, the history has changed, and you know you have to choose to be on the right side, side of, of history. history. And Alyssa saying things are going great now, like it's a world is it's much better place. And we had all this this really really positive message within within the show, and then things changed dramatically. Although it still has a positive message, we should say. No, the you show know, right. has a positive yeah, right. message, it's but just, the world yeah, got darker. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, and then the show premiered at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta. What did you guys learn from that uh, production that you brought with you as you worked on Beth, your character, and then Bob the book? Um, I think the challenge with Dee Dee Allen is she's so funny, but there has to always be Who's audience. she based on? No one. Yeah. <laughs> My, literally, you know, all of us, I think, have a D.D. Allen somewhere inside sure. of us. It's been really fun to open that door Not just, and just theater let people, her come right? out. Yeah. So, to make that character likable and lovable, so even in all her flaws, you will follow mm-hmm. her journey and want to know her and care about her and what happens with her. Is that particularly hard for someone as big and as potentially abrasive as Dee Dee? Like, was yeah, that a challenge for you? I think a little bit. Uh, just setting the tone at the very beginning, yeah. I think, has been a challenge. And we learned that in Atlanta, and I think we've mm-hmm. done it so successfully now on Broadway. That flawed but yeah. lovable. Yeah. And what are you doing differently? Can you can you characterize, Bob, what you're doing I mean, differently it, in terms it, of how you set that, strike that balance definitely, early on? I think particularly with Dee Dee's arc in the show, that she, we really, um, she, she starts in the as the broadest of, of our principal characters, I believe. 
For real? Uh, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's... The principles are broad. Let's just say, for those who maybe haven't seen it. But I need some kind of trophy or crown or something. (laughs) Well, I just mean... (laughs) I'm sorry, it's true. It is a group of broad characters, absolutely. But you get to a place of uh, great self-awareness that you do not have at the beginning of the show. That's what I mean. Exactly. And you literally ask someone to teach you how to be a human being. Exactly. So you you get to that point. just and, a sideboard to actually have a character that has an arc yeah. in, in a musical comedy and has the opportunity for that is so rare, and I'm so grateful. Keep keep yeah. talking. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean the big the big discovery in Atlanta was that we that the musical had to invade um, a, a real place <laughs> instead, rather than there being kind of two, or rather than be, there being one um, language, one musical theater language, both in in the Broadway. Uh, part of the story and the uh, Indiana part of the story, we realized that Indiana had to be a real, we had to be, it had to be a recognizable place populated by recognizable people. Um, And that our, that would allow our, our um, clowns, as we call them. Over the top. Our principals to be more over the top as, and and they're sort of brought down to earth by, by the principal character and by, you know, uh, Emma. Uh, um, Right. uh, So the name of the high school student. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Um, so, so that was the, the, the big lesson and, uh, um, both finding sort of humanity with, within our principal characters, but really grounding the, the Indiana storyline. And in Atlanta, we had an audience for the first time. So we had our right. scene partners telling us what worked and what didn't, which was always great. Right. Yeah. What was remarkable is, is how well the politics landed in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mm-hmm. know what to expect having never been to the. American South before, right. and uh, Atlanta would be the American South. It is, yes. oh, yeah, yeah. Although they think of themselves in a different way, I believe. But I think that's probably true. But yeah, um, um, but it, it's actually quite a liberal area. But but um, people were really uh, hit hard by the subject matter in many ways, and mm-hmm. and and we had people come a- mm-hmm. after the show in tears, saying they identified with the mother mm-hmm. of Alyssa, who's you know really burdened by her own prejudices in the show. Right. And you know, it was, uh, it was, it was. We really started to realize, oh wow, this could have a, an impact. And, and then, what have been some of the reactions that you've gotten? We talked about, you know, the uh, turns out uh, unfounded concern that the, this show was no longer going to be topical. When did? What are the reactions that uh, you've gotten more recently on Broadway that uh, made clear to you that this was really hitting home? Well, I'm just sidebar and saying that yeah. most of the reactions I'm getting are how spectacular the show is and how wonderful it is to have an original musical comedy on Broadway and how satisfying the storytelling is and in addition to that you have these some of the people in the audience can actually see themselves mirrored on stage for the first time and it's really an emotional journey for them that ends up being quite the celebration so I've had people thank me hug me, cry to me all of the above and really that's what art does anyway but I think it's doing it so beautifully in this show I love to go outside in the autograph line mm. and just listen yeah. to what they say and how the show makes them feel and how they can sing they've already memorized the, uh, right. the CD oh yeah it's yeah, fabulous. that's always amazing isn't it it's fabulous <laughs> yeah. and the show was on um, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade mm-hmm. and it was the first LGBTQ uh, kiss to, to be ever featured on that broadcast. Um, talk, talk about some of the reaction to that, both positive and negative. 
Well, the, the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive, positive. to it. Yes. But there was a very vocal and ugly uh, negative reaction to that, as we expected. We actually expected it to be uh, a larger uh, mm -hmm. number of people. Um, and it made, personally speaking, it made me think that actually that these, the negative voices that we hear about in this country are being artificially amplified. So we think there are more people who have these, mm -hmm. this belief system than there actually are. I mean, uh, I could be wrong about that, but the, the incredible wave of love and support <laughs> that came about as a result of that appearance, uh, that was really amazing. Right. What was it like for you? Beth, you were in it. What was it like for uh, you, that moment on the... Well, you know what? It's... It's so normal to me. So I yeah. even thought, wait, oh, right, two girls are going to kiss. So what? Right. So what? But I had to think, well, you know, there's an awareness. Let's see what happens. And like Bob said, it was really so amazingly positive. And it was just the way this number ends. That's how it ends. Right. The, you know, love is love. Yeah, that's how it's staged in the show, right? That yes. wasn't changed for the, yeah. No, no not at yeah. all. No, and, we and thought it was that, so we thought tender that... and sweet and genuine and authentic. And like I said, yeah. love is love. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of the, if you read the Twitter feed around the, you know, if you're sort of reading it in real time, it was remarkable to see people say, oh, my God, I just saw myself represented in the Macy's Day Parade. I never thought this day would happen. And, the, right. and you know, like lots of heart emojis and everything. It's just, right. And it was just like, oh, wow, this is so moving. It's awesome. such a beautiful thing. How often do you get a chance to be involved in something beautiful like that? You know. Agreed. And while the kiss was happening, I just have to tell you that it was five degrees. Yeah, <laughs> so that's right? it was really, cold that day. And I'm yeah. in a sleeveless yeah. lanai yeah. jumpsuit. It's true. You were She's in costume. You were so in, yeah. I was going, are, are these my feet? I can't feel them anymore. And I could just see people going, give her a coat. Bless her heart. So it was cold. That was, yeah. uh, that was the journey that morning. Right. <laughs> like, hurry up and kiss so we can get out of here. <laughs> but it was great. So... Like Drowsy Chaperone, the prom is steeped in Broadway and the history of Broadway and sort of Broadway fans and stuff. And there's a lot of jokes in there that are kind of for the fans and are really sort of inside jokes for people who really follow the theater and love the theater, which um, is a great thing. But also, I'm sure you're both aware that, uh, like other shows you've worked on, like they're very theater-centric, but also have to be broad enough to you know appeal to audiences who maybe don't get that cat's joke or understand the Patty Lapone joke or whatever. Yeah. Um, how do you do that? That's something you've done more than once, uh, both of you. And well, I think I, I you know I think the key is not to make the jokes gratuitous. So like a perfect example is um, the joke about gypsies, right? That happens in the top of the second act, with Angie's character says, "You got to do this for all of us people who used to be called gypsies." Right. Um, like after the first couple of weeks nobody got that joke right. I'm assuming like when I, I just went saw it about a week ago and it's crickets during that <laughs> moment but at the same time she's saying something that's significant even if you don't understand what yes. that means right. she, uh, actually explain that just in case some of our <laughs> listeners don't know what that joke means explain it um well, what you should explain it. I you're, was, you're, I was yeah, yeah, actually. you were like breathing in, so I was going to let you explain it. There's a big <laughs> tradition um, in the Broadway community that it's the dancers are called gypsies, and that was changed this year to be more politi politically correct, and is now called uh, what the, are they called? I don't the know. The legacy robe, mm -hmm. and there's oh, a it's gypsy the legacy robe, robe uh, every 
opening of a Broadway show, it's a beautiful tradition where each a person is given to wear the gypsy robe because they have had more ensemble contracts than anyone else. And they put the robe on, and the robe has the history of each show that's been in it, uh, does a patch, and they run around. It's very ritualistic. It's beautiful, and they come. And, anyway, so now it's not called the gypsy it's robe. not called the gypsy robe. For obvious reasons, yeah. Legacy. legacy. What, do, what do the dancers call themselves, though? Gypsies. Ensemble. They still call do themselves they, no, gypsies. No, I don't know what they call themselves. Yeah, I'm not because sure there's that's no been term yet. now, right? Um, hey, yeah. you. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's you know, ensemblists or something. Ensemblists yeah. Because they used to go to show, to show, to right. show, to show. So. Right. So that's how that yeah. joke came about because the line was, right. for all, had, you have to do this for all of us gypsies. Right. Yeah. When you were writing the yeah, show. Yeah, when we were writing sure, the yeah. show, they changed that term, but they didn't replace it with anything. Right. So we thought, well, let's embrace it and just say people who used to be called gypsies and point out the fact that there's no term to replace it. Right. <laughs> uh, one person's reaction. Well, but I still like. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Carrie still gets a huge laugh. Carrie, the reference to Carrie the musical. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's every true. night. That so that's uh, we that really resonates. We should uh, for listeners who don't know, Bob uh, was also one of the creators of Slings and Arrows, the fine yes. uh, TV show that was also very, very theater centric. And yet, I know people yeah. who have nothing to do with theater who love that show. Who, whereas I feel like, no, I've worked in nonprofit theater. It's exactly like that. But mm. what what do you find? This is a question for both of you. What do you find is universal in the experience of working on theater and being with a group of theater people that uh, everyone else responds to as well? Well, you know, I mean, Slings and Arrows was basically a, a workplace dramedy. Right. So the <laughs> it was about the tension between sort of art and commerce in a not-for-profit theater company, but it could have been it could have been at a you know paper manufacturing company right. as well. <laughs> it right. could have been anywhere. Uh, and so I think the, the you know the inter-office, so to speak, politics are recognizable. I think. Right. Only um, just more flamboyant only in more many flamboyant. cases. Yes. Yeah. Right. Do you find do you find your are you drawn Beth are you drawn to doing work that is about the theater mostly because you work a lot with Bob or is that just a thing that you enjoy uh, I I love to tell a theater yeah. a good theater story but I also enjoyed Elf and that wasn't a theater that story. was true yeah. I enjoy but you know I, I look at my the history of the shows I've done and the ones that I just love like Forty Second Street and Crazy yep. for You uh -huh. it's it's satisfying and so theatrical to play someone and it gives me permission to sing loud as well right? and tap dance and stuff and I'm not sure they yeah. do that like, like I wasn't able to do that in Elf and I, I missed that so it's it's exciting I love telling a theater story and Dee Dee is like the ultimate ultimate theater diva yeah. to to tell this story yeah. it's really she's she's so much fun yeah but apparently it, it, exhausting. So <laughs> yeah, visibly, visibly exhausting. No, there's no way anybody could have known except Just for me. Kidding. This, is, this is a reference to a conversation we had before the mic turned on uh, where, I mean, basically, Bob told Beth she looked really exhausted. That's really what it was. It was we very, had, nine, it we was, had a nine-show week last week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and so, there she goes! <laughs> and so what are you guys working on next together? Bob. <laughs> I hope um, to be in this for a long time. Yeah, I hope you are too. I, yes, yeah, and I there's, I, I, I mean, I live. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, you know, as we were talking before we started recording, it's the, it's uh, work. Like I have no choice but to keep many shows in development, just because of the long developmental timelines of these things. Right. So there's like about seven shows. Gosh, uh, Bob. Is, right. If it's possible to cast Beth in all of them, I will. <laughs> And if it's possible um, to do all seven, I would. Yeah. So there you go. 
Well, which which one of those is the ones we're going to see first? Can you give us any hints or anything, or no? I'm hearing a rumor. Oh, uh, which which rumor? I mean, the, the, there's the one that's most it's furthest along now is a show that I'm doing with Adam Gettle called Millions, hmm. um, which, which is an adaptation of Danny Boyle's film Millions. Oh, yeah. And I'm super excited about that because Adam is this crazy genius and his music is so gorgeous and it's a beautiful story and it's really moving and funny and and um, and so we're we're very well along with that. I would hope that um, within a year we'll have it a production somewhere. Right. And um, who will Beth play in that? And, and who, who will Beth, Beth play in that? In yeah. that? Um, see, I don't know if Beth. Has, I'm working for you. For Beth. Beth. I'm working for you. I rule that you know that you the male you know, lead. Yeah. <laughs> say, let's go. Let's go. Come on now. Uh, no, I have heard a rumor about Drowsy Chaperone too. Oh yes, there is a, a sequel. There is a sequel. To I have not heard that in the works. Yes, what? yes, uh, and Beth would obviously be in that. I mean, certainly that I'm would still playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the beautiful thing about that is you can age with the characters. Exactly. But, Right. <laughs> uh, can you say more about what, where we are with you know, Man and Cher? Will you be in it as um, well, Bob? Yes. I, yes, I believe I would I be in it. I mean, you would be. I mean, I mean what, Man and Cher will be in it? Yes, mm, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. What, basically, it was time. We, we thought, well, you know, it's time for Drowsy to come back. It's been more than 10 years. Mm. Um, but instead yeah. of just bringing it back to Broadway, we thought, well, it's Drowsy Saffron. It's an unusual show. So why don't we uh, have Man and Cher present another show, basically? Great. Sold. So we're writing on the other I, the, the right? other show within the show, and it changes, of course, because Manager would have a, a lot to say about contemporary, of course. you know, the contemporary world and the state of musical theater at this time and everything else. Um, uh, same so, collaborators yeah. that you worked on, Drowsy same with? collaborators, okay. and um, and I hope the same cast, uh, you know, to That'd large extent. That, that would be, be astonishing. Wonderful? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's please make that happen. Yes, so we're trying. All right. Thank you both. Thanks for being so here. Welcome. Nice to talk to you. That was Beth Level and Bob Martin from Broadway's The Prom, now playing at the Longacre Theater. If you like what you've heard on this and other episodes of Stagecraft, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe wherever finer podcasts are dispensed. On the next Stagecraft, I talk to Jeremy Pope, the rising young star of Broadway's Choir Boy, soon to jump into a lead role in the new Temptations musical Ain't Too Proud. Until then, see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.